Welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, And I'm happy that we're talking about something today that's not quite as serious. Because it's just something that makes me angry. <laughs> I want to do positive shows. I want to do positive shows. I want to do positive shows. And I will. We'll get back to that. But first, a once comedian who used to have a television show called Politically Incorrect, who now has, I don't even know what to call it. It's a show on HBO that I have never met anyone who watches it. I mean, I used to watch it when, like, when it first started because, you know, I liked Politically Incorrect and I thought it was crap that he got fired from that and that that show got canceled. And then I realized that the new format just brought out the worst in him and I don't know. And I'm not saying his name on purpose because I have a feeling that he may or may not believe any of the things that he said on a recent show and that he said them so that we would be giving him publicity and his HBO show because well, HBO is a little panicky right now because they don't have a lot that's not Game of Thrones that's drawing attention. At least that's the scuttlebutt that I'm hearing, that subscriber numbers are getting tricksy. The fact that when I open my app, there's a actual collection right there on the homepage that says Reasons to Stay. Yeah, that leads me to believe that they're having problems getting people to stay with the app. Yeah, but hey, maybe that's just me. Anyway, on a recent episode, he apparently went off on people who like comic book movies and comic books and basically said that they need to grow up, that comics and comic book movies are made for children and they are not written well and that they are just a waste of time, energy, and effort. Well, Mr. Man... Because I, I almost feel like that's a more appropriate name for him lately, because instead of being the irreverent comedian that I used to know back in the 90s, well, not like personally, but, you know, via the TV show, he really seems to be taking on the persona of the man a lot more re recently. And it's problematic, especially with views like these. First of all, let's take... The writing. Let's just look at that. Well, it depends on what we're talking about. Because some comics are written better than other comics. Some comic book movies are written better than other comic book movies. You know, like how some books are written better than other books. And some movies are written better than other movies. And there are some books that even though they're probably not the best written thing, I thoroughly enjoyed them. I learned a lot from them. 
and they provide a meaningful part of my life. So I, I, I just, I am baffled when anyone brings up this idea that there is an empirical method by which we can determine the quality of a book's writing. Because there isn't. The idea that there is some magical ruler that we can pull down from the heavens and it will touch the text and reveal to us the inner meaning and that it will tell us exactly whether or not this is a good book or a bad book. Let's be honest, folks. If there was, every writer would use it. Because with few exceptions who just want to get paid and are doing it for the paycheck, most writers want to write good books. Most writers want to write stories that last. Then deadlines come in, and sometimes you cut corners because you have to get the story out. I'm self-published, so I don't have to worry about that, even though... I do have a self-imposed deadline coming up on me, and I'm a little bit worried about it. But it doesn't matter, because it's self-imposed. So if I don't make it, I don't make it. I have promised nothing to no one. Just that the book will be out soon, and it will. But I keep thinking of things to go back and check, and I'm almost done with the edits. And we'll see. Hopefully I'll still make it. You know, that just goes to what I'm saying. As a writer, there isn't, like, a magic piece of software I can funnel my books into that will return a score to me that says, this is how good your writing is. Because there isn't a metric like that. A lot of it is personal taste. Yeah, there's grammar and spelling and... All of those things that go into a story, there's pacing and tension and, you know, there elements we talk about in the writing community that you should have in a story. But honestly, what it really boils down to is personal taste of the reader. If you enjoy the story, then you enjoyed the story. If you liked the story... You liked the story. And when you boil down a lot of arguments about good writing, it really, oh, it, it, it becomes extremely problematic. Because sometimes we're just talking about, you know, quibbling over whether they used grammar in a way that you approve of or not. You know, take James Joyce's Ulysses. The book is nearly impossible to read and comprehend thoroughly because it flips genre and format and really kind of throws the rules of logic out the window and most of the rules of grammar. It's a brilliant book that tells a brilliant tale in a brilliant way, say a lot of people, and it's an incomprehensible mess, say others. Who's right? Well, let's throw Ulysses into the magical software that tells us whether the writing is good. Oh wait, that doesn't exist. And it doesn't exist for books like Ulysses, which are considered great literature. And it doesn't exist for comic books. Sometimes you want a highbrow story. Sometimes you want a story with deep meaning. 
read uh, The Watchmen. Read V for Vendetta. Tell me there's not good writing there. We can quibble over the killing joke. I like it, but I see why people don't. The same with like The Dark Knight Returns. I like it, but I see why people wouldn't. Is the writing good? Is the writing bad? Is the writing just not to your taste? Because that's what a critic score really tells you. That's what your reaction to any story actually tells you. Yes, we can talk about, well, it was boring. Well, you know what? I, I used to use that as a core metric. Like, well, yes, but we can agree on what's boring and what's not. But that's not true. See, different things fascinate different people. And so there are, like, for example, Ghost in the Shell. I had a roommate once upon a time who thought Ghost in the Shell was the greatest thing ever and thought that I should be exposed to it. I couldn't stay awake. I don't know what about it I didn't like. I, I really couldn't tell you. I found it boring. I fell asleep repeatedly every time he tried to get me to watch this, no matter how much I tried. Like, I drank a whole bunch of coffee and Jostacola, which was a thing back then. Shout out on Twitter if you remember Jostacola. But I just couldn't get through it. It doesn't speak anything to the quality of Ghost in the Shell. I know a lot of people who love it. It's just, for some reason, not for me. I don't like it. It makes me fall asleep. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just means I don't like it. And that's where we have to start differentiating between I don't like it and it's bad. They're not the same thing. And also, just because a majority of people say something's not good, doesn't mean that that thing is not good. The majority of people, when it came out, said bad things about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and a lot of people still say bad things about it today. Does that mean it's bad? Or the work of John Waters? Yeah, there's a lot of nuance that goes into these discussions that get lost when we try to reductively label something as good or bad or say that it has good writing or bad writing one of the most revelatory things for me on this was i think it was the first episode of the whole plate it's a series lindsey sterling did on her youtube channel if you haven't been watching lindsey sterling go back start somewhere at least at the whole plate and watch your way through the whole plate is hilariously amazing it discusses various issues using Michael Bay's Transformers movies as the medium through which to discuss. And one of the things that she pointed out in that series that blows my mind is the first movie, The Transformers, is actually not badly written. When you actually look at the text of the story, it has all of the elements in all of the places you expect them to be. The problem is, the script assumes that Michaela is our hero. And Sam Witwicky is the sidekick. And its novel approach to the story is that we follow Sam Witwicky, the sidekick, as Michaela goes through her adventures. The problem is Michael Bay thought that Michaela was a sex object. And, well... The guy has to be the main character. 
And so he filmed the script in such a way that makes us think far less of Michaela than we should. So we can talk about whether the movie is has quality to it. But when we discuss the writing, the plot arcs are there, the story is there, we can discuss how well it's executed. But we would also have to talk about the tension between what the writers wrote and what was actually filmed. Yeah, that really does make a difference now, doesn't it? So, since we don't have a magic program that we can submit writing to, can we arbitrarily say that an entire genre of fiction is bad? Poorly written? No. Just like we can't say that an entire genre is good and well-written. These are absolutes, and absolutes are almost always wrong. Except when they're not. <laughs> okay? All right. So, to the second point, that they were made for children. So what you're saying is that a story made for children has absolutely no merit. That a story made for families has no merit. Well, let's think about that for a minute. What does that say about your opinion of children and families? Well, children are by their very nature, ignorant of a lot of the elements of the world because they're children and haven't learned about them or experienced them yet, just because a story is written for children doesn't actually mean that that story has no redeeming qualities. It, it, it is absurd to say that because I want to write something that can be read by all ages and isn't filled with sex and violence and language that some people, for reasons beyond my understanding, find offensive, then I'm automatically writing something bad. That's a strange way to try to categorize fiction. Just because you want an all-ages tag, or maybe even because you're specifically writing for kids but throwing some stuff in there so their parents can enjoy the experience too, that doesn't make the quality of what you're writing inherently bad or terrible. It doesn't at all. I don't understand where you would ever make connections like that. So, while we ponder that question, let's hear a word from our sponsor. And we're back. So, while we were away, did you did you hear any did you think of anything? Could you find a way to justify such an inane position? No. Maybe because there isn't one. See, this is something that I've often found strange, and why I do not like the term adult or mature content, because it makes for a very strange dichotomy. Because Big Mouth, for example, is mature content. 
But it isn't. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of jokes about body parts and bodily functions. It's very funny. It's definitely not for children. But I would call it anything but mature. I don't even know that I would call it adult, because it's very juvenile humor. So it's juvenile humor meant for adults. Okay, does that automatically make it better than, say, a Steven Universe, which is clearly written for people of all ages? No, that doesn't work. That doesn't compute either. So again, like with our magical quality machine, that is supposed to determine how good the writing is in something. We're now told that I guess not having profanity and nudity and an excessive level of gore and violence in a story must automatically make it bad. No, that, that doesn't compute and that doesn't work either. So, okay. Your second criteria isn't working here, Mr. Man. So let's go to your third one that people should just grow up just because you're still you still like something that you did when you were a kid that proves that you're immature and that you just need to grow up well i hate to inform you but i have grown up i am 42 years old and i am a writer of fantasy fiction i have written since i was a child i wrote my first comic book when i was i think seven it was terrible. I didn't know that. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just kind of drew pictures and put them together and put little speech balloons. It was terrible. I kind of wonder if my mom still has it. I gotta ask, because if she does, that would be hilarious to put up online for people to see. For goodness sakes, I'd like to see it. But, you know, I am not childish because that's something that I liked doing then. I also liked coding when I was a kid. You know, I, I got my first computer when I was probably around eight. And it was an old computer because I'm an old person. And so it came with a magnetic tape drive and a book on how to program it because it didn't have its own programs. And so I learned how to write code so that I could actually do things on my computer. So, because I liked writing computer code when I was a child, I would be immature to still like writing computer code now. Well, that really doesn't make any sense now, does it? You see, this is a universal statement that sounds like it might have some relevance to some aspect of our lives or the quality of the things that were in it, but when you give it even the slightest bit of investigation, it doesn't make sense. He points to a tweet where somebody said that they learned to be tolerant and about justice and racial inequality from reading comics. And then he says, well, you should put away the comics and read James Baldwin. Well, Mr. Man, I have read James Baldwin. I'm a big fan of James Baldwin. But I still like my comics. See, I can do two things. 
I know that might be hard for some people to understand, but most people are capable of liking more than one thing. Just because I like to read comics and I'm currently doing a reread and in some cases reading for the first time a bunch of old Green Lantern comics because they're up on DC Universe and so they found a way to keep getting my money. That doesn't mean that I'm not reading other things or doing other things or participating in other things. These are completely unrelated. By that same logic, just because I listened to music when I was a kid, I shouldn't listen to music now. So all music has to go away. Or maybe just the genres that I listened to when I was a kid. And I should listen to nothing but classical music. Oops, that's problematic. I listened to classical music when I was a kid and I liked it. So I can't even listen to classical music. So no classical music, no country music, no rap, no hip hop, no rock, no metal. Um, oh, folk music has to go because I listened to folk music when I was a kid. I liked a lot of music. I still do. No, I'm not going to stop liking those things because I'm not what you want to consider mature. I run several businesses, or at least I'm part of the organization that runs them. I like stories. I like fantasy stories and science fiction stories. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy comics, because they are, for the most part, fantasy and science fiction stories. I like Marvel movies, not because I'm immature, but because one, the world's a very dark and depressing place and sometimes I want to find an escape from it. And well, thinking of someone with marvelous powers who can just set things right, that that's a good escape sometimes. You know, I'm sure it's not as good as the copious amounts of marijuana that you infamously smoke. And trust me, were that legal where I live, I would probably avail myself of, myself of those options as well. But, wait, what are we talking about again? Oh yes, maturity. You know what's immature, Mr. Man? Telling people that they shouldn't like the things that they like. That they're wrong because certain things make them happy and you don't think that those things should make them happy. Who are you? I mean, who appointed you, Mr. Man, to be the one who is the arbiter of what makes someone mature? Who are you to tell people that they're not allowed to find any happiness in their lives? Because the place or the way that they find that happiness to you seems immature. And that's the problem with all of this thinking, with everything that we're talking about here. I go to conventions. I love going to conventions. You know what we talk about mostly at these conventions? Gender issues, race issues, what's going on in the economy, and what's going on in our lives. Often, via the analogy of the things that we love that brought us to the convention in the first place, but for the most part, what we're talking about is the, 
the core things that you think we should be talking about. But of course, you would say you shouldn't go to those conventions because they're childish, right? I mean, we're dressing up in costumes, for goodness sakes, in public as adults. Yeah, we are. And sometimes we're talking about children's shows like Steven Universe. And while doing so, discussing issues of spousal abuse and unhealthy relationships. Yeah, that happens. And they're amazing, deep, thoughtful discussions. But maybe you don't think we should have those discussions or that maybe we shouldn't see those elements in the stories that we're interested in because after all, those stories are for children. Yeah, maybe they are. But when you look at the relationship between Greg and Pearl and Pink Diamond, I mean, Rose Quartz, there are some unhealthy things in those relationships. And you can see the cost. And it's in the music. It's in the stories. It's not something that we have to read into the text. It's part of the text. And so when we discuss this children's show with superheroes and whatnot, you know, magical gem monsters that are made completely of light, and we discuss gender issues and race issues, are we still being childish, Mr. Man? See, one of the reasons why I wanted to discuss this today is because this has been a recurring theme in my life. I remember when my, th I think it was my third, it was when one of my books came out and, you know, it's hard to make a living as a writer, but my sister actually asked me how long I was going to give it before I just gave up on my dreams and grew up. And realized that I should put this all aside. Now, before anybody thinks anything bad of my sister, she eventually apologized and said that, you know, she was under a lot of stress at the time and she took it out on me and she really shouldn't. So it, it, it's all good. But when she asked me that question, it was so offensive in the moment. And this is something that comes up, I think, in a lot of our lives. Yeah, you come into my house and... You see the Star Wars posters up on the wall, and you see my painting of Garnet up on the wall. You also see the Maleficent that I have, and my sound wave that I keep by my desk, and my Yodas. But you also see other things, the family pictures, the religious iconography, because I'm a fairly religious person. What's wrong with having those pictures of Garnet? Because my husband and I think about our relationship often in terms of Garnet because we both connected to that. In fact, our wedding was Steven Universe themed. So what's the problem there? What's wrong? Why haven't we grown up? See, just because you stopped loving the things that you did when you were a child because you became cynical and jaded 
doesn't mean that the rest of us have to, Mr. Man. We are allowed to love what we want to love and participate in the things that we want to participate in. And as long as we're not hurting anyone, it doesn't matter. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I just, I, I, I wanted to not do this because I didn't want to give him any, you know, publicity or anything like my little show would give him a lot of publicity, but you know what I'm saying? And it just stuck in my craw, this idea. And it's been back there for a while because I remember his original article about Stan Lee when he died and that he was dead. And so the rest of us should give up on what his life work was. And it offended me so much back then. And the fact that he decided to recently double down on that. Oh, that just boggles my mind. So anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, then I guess you're as childish as I am. Yay! Anyway, if you can rate this episode or this podcast, please do so. That really helps out a lot, especially if you're listening in Apple Podcasts. But it helps out on all of the services because it tells them, well, it tells the algorithm to share me with more people. And that really does help out a lot. If you've got a dollar you can throw my way and become part of the project, then in the show notes, you'll see a link that says community support. Click that and you can support at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money really does help out a lot. It helps me get new microphones, helps pay for hosting on the websites, all kinds of stuff. Hopefully going to more conventions, which is something that I would love to do because I love meeting you all in person. If you don't have the money, I completely understand that. Trust me, I know what it feels like to be broke because that's like most of my life history um, with a few shining moments when it wasn't. But if you know anybody that you think would like this podcast, please share it with them. That helps out a lot too. And I can only imagine that a lot of you have. We've been growing a lot over the last couple months. In fact, podcast listens this month are more than double what they were last month. So thank you to everybody who's listening. You really do mean the world to me. And I would love to get to know you. The best way to do that is either to go over to Twitter. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter. You can find links to that and all of my social media over at projectshadow.com. I would love to hear from you. Know what you think about any of this stuff. But especially if you have something that you'd like me to talk about on the show. It could be a question, a comment, or a topic. Go to anchor.fm or load up your app store on your phone and either and download the Anchor app. Once you do, follow Project Shadow and you'll see a button that says voice message. If you click that, you can leave me up to a one minute message. Keep it clean because, you know, I like to do a family friendly show. And actually, it's because I, I've heard from a lot of you that you listen to me at work. That's awesome. Hello, other people around them. Anywho, keep it clean. I'll use it on the show. I'd really love to do more episodes based off of your input and your questions. Until next time, no matter what anybody says to you about what you're interested in, don't forget, have the fun. Bye. <laughs>